see their faces they are hiding their faces today but uh would, would you guys like to introduce yourselves a little more marvin do you want to go first sure okay can you hear me yeah my mute on okay good um yeah i'm a expat i i uh, i'm a refugee from america i'm a refugee from k street i had a, a law firm firm there i believe in the system i was extremely happy um made good money Love my job, and I saw things uh, getting very rotten. As a lawyer, I could see the details of how it got rotten. So I escaped to Japan. I'm living on a small island now, and I'm pursuing pursuing uh, resilience living and helping other people follow. And right now I'm in Osaka in a small restaurant. I just happened to be here when the time came up. So I'll put myself on mute. I should say that K Street, um, for those that aren't uh, familiar with what Marvin said, that he's a refugee from K Street. K Street is literally where, since the 1990s, pretty much 100% of legislation, bills, and then laws are passed uh, in the United States. They're pretty much all written on K Street by lobbyists and the lawyers that work in those uh, lobby groups. So just to put Marvin's uh, um, introduction into uh, play. Myself, I, I as well am an expat. I live not in, well, I'm not in Osaka. I'm in Tokyo. I've lived um, in Indonesia. I've lived in Thailand, in Istanbul, all, all, all across Europe. Um, and I've lived in Egypt and a few other places. And I basically have been... I guess, uh, uh, a traveling vagabond since I finished university. And, uh, I have, uh, a couple of degrees. I don't want to get too specific because I have a lot of people that, uh, dislike me for the political positions I take, which I don't think are very radical. They're positions on things like self-reliance and things such as, um, you know, being able to articulate on, Un, I guess unmentionable truths in our society, breaking taboos, as it were, on things like let's say gender. Um, and I now currently reside in in Tokyo, in in central Tokyo. And my name is Felix, by the way. <laughs> and yeah, here's his channel, Black Pigeon Speaks. And you have another channel, Felix Rex. What's, Felix Rex, uh, you can see that this this one's lost about twenty thousand. This one's lost about ten thousand. Uh, my channels are being absolutely suppressed by by YouTube. And if you actually take a look at the content, none of it's radical. Um, there'll be things on, you know, why Washington actually works the way it does, and that was actually what I was bringing up uh, 
uh, Marvin's uh, work on K Street. I actually made an entire video on K Street and these sorts of videos where you talk about the reality of things within our society. Uh, they're verboten for the most part. So, um, you know, like, for example, on the on the screen right now, woke debt slavery. It talks about how our monetary system works. The next one is our time. It talks about the evolution of AI. And the last one is the enigma of consciousness. And and these are not particularly, I would say, inflammatory ideas, but they do challenge the current narrative. And this is why people such as myself, there's other people as well. I know of at least a dozen content creators that are since the run up to the November election are being horrifically horrifically uh suppressed but anyway so I so see you're not banned from YouTube yet are you on Trovo yet though I am on Trovo the only problem is is, is I was just on D live and had finally built up a decent audience up until our friend baked Alaska destroyed <laughs> the entire platform for everybody and now I'm on Trovo, but I think I have only about 130 subscribers. So if anybody would like to find me there, it's Felix Rex uh, on Trovo. Um, all one word, Felix Rex with no with no space. Now, Marvin, um, if you want to unmute yourself, you, you called yourself a refugee. Why would you describe yourself as, as an American going to Japan a refugee? Oh well. Uh, maybe we lost Marvin, <laughs> but I could I could probably answer that for okay. him. Oh, oh there he is. Here. Okay. Okay, can you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. We got you. Um, the, these are broad concepts that can mirror long conversations and discussions in themselves. I'll make it short. Here's two things. One, my grandparents left uh, Poland to go to America because the land was free and was almost free. It was very cheap. Uh, they didn't like it. Was very constricted living over there. I left America. I come to Japan. The land is extremely cheap. Agricultural land is almost is, actually is nothing. You, if you want to own it to give to your children, you have to pay for it. But other than that, you can get land for, for just a promise to use it here. Beautiful land. I've got land I, I actually paid for uh, on the ocean, four or five acres. Uh, there's more personal freedom here. Um, I mentioned K Street. I was a, a patent lawyer there, and I watched the, I watched the globalists destroy the American inventors' rights and piece by piece and like, oh my God, is this really happening? The Japanese have more inventors' rights. The Germans have more inventor rights. American in inventors as well as the uh, people in the finance industry, it's all taken over by globalists and um, this is a refuge. Um, you know, it, it's 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 all over. You know, America is, is um, I think any you know, I've had these conversations over the last five or so years. A lot of really intelligent people in America are ready to leave. You know, they, they want to leave. They all have dreaming about going to Honduras or, you know, Costa Rica and so on. Yeah, a lot of retirement fantasies in some of those places. Yeah, unfortunately, most of the most of the uh, chatter, you know, most of the blogs and so on, the chatter that I encounter are retirees and unfortunately there's not enough young people wanting to do that there was a guy from greece where i'm at i have a lot of young people coming and they want to emigrate here i had a guy from greece a, a young engineer we actually found him a job he's in the process of moving here on a good visa when the military grabbed him 
because he knows how to repair jet airplanes, and they want to have a war with Turkey. Uh, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's not that they want to have a war with Turkey. It's that Turkey wants to have a war with all of their neighbors, I think is the better description on that. Oh, yeah. Um, there, uh, the other Americans I, I I talk to here seem to all have the same perspective. We we know what the, what's going on, and we're really glad to be out of there. I know other Americans that have left here. Uh, there's a good friend now who's farming. I just talked to him this morning. He he left probably five years ago. Um, there's this is a land of opportunity. There's oh I mentioned personal freedom. I won't get into details. I won't get in, myself in trouble. But I, you can do things here that get you thrown in jail in America. Personal freedom things. I can actually attest um, to that. There is absolutely a lot more personal freedom over here than there is in North America. Oh, absolutely. Americans don't believe it. Yeah, I'll back that up. I'll to back fair, that up. A lot of things can get you thrown in prison in Japan, right? Smoking a joint, right? That could get you. Well, well smoking a joint, yeah. Drugs, drugs are a no go. But I mean, you can drink, drink yourself morning, noon, and night. The, the point is, is yeah, things like marijuana. But there are no speech curtailments. Uh, even for example, like if you come into contact with police officers, I, it's actually one of the most interesting things I've ever seen in my life. This guy, uh, when I was walking down the street one time, he was screaming at the police and he had a knife and they all brought out this gigantic, I, I, the only way I can explain it is a blanket and they just wrapped them up in it <laughs> like as a, you know, a, a pig in a blanket and they were all laughing at him as he was screaming. They, nobody got shot. Nobody got killed. Um, it, they just kind of ran at him and they rolled him up in a blanket. This gigantic, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it, but, you know, even if you're an idiot and you're attacking police officers, you, you won't get shot. You won't I get actually killed. have a lot of experience with the police in Japan. So I was a teenager when I lived there and my dad used to work there in the early, like late 90s, early 2000s. So I was a teenager, I, you know, I'd buy like fireworks at 7-Eleven and set them off on the street and we get chased by the police all the time, but they're always very nice. They take like a, a name and a and an address and a phone number and let us go, and that was that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, Japan is is like I would also say the same thing about places like Thailand. Is you you also so long as you don't speak ill of the king or do drugs, you have a lot more personal freedom in places in Asia. So, like, the, the one caveat is if you don't do drugs, which I, I think I can I can deal with, and uh, you don't speak ill of the monarchy, um, a lot of the, the Asia-Pacific region, you generally have a lot more personal freedom than you would in a place like America, Canada, or Australia, or wherever your, your, your audience is listening from. There is a lot more personal freedom in Asia Pacific. So long as you, the caveats are drugs, obviously, you just stay away from them entirely. And if there is a monarchy or particular cultural taboos against uh, authority, if you stay away from those, I mean, you're, you're good as gold. Cool. So I got a question I want to ask both of you. So if you were to describe Japan to a foreigner, somebody who's never been, but I don't want you to do the cliche, hey, look at the toilets, they're amazing. Like, how about something that's a little more unique from your own personal experience that kind of exemplifies Japan? Do you think you could explain from your own point of view? You want to go first, Marvin? 
Why don't you go first, Felix? And then, uh... Okay, I'll go first. Um, Japan is, is, I mean, it's an ancient, ancient society, and they haven't really changed as much as people think they have via industrialization. They are still a society that's based on cultural and social harmony. And um, one thing is, as much as I love the place, and no matter how well you speak the language, you will never be one of them. And um, and I think that's the same for pretty much any Asian society. <clears throat> Places like Westerners have this idea is you move to a place for five years. Oh, you're American. You know, oh, you're Canadian. Oh, you're Australian. Um, Asian people don't have that. Um, and another thing is that very interesting is that I guess like thinking about like my, my family and my friends back home is they don't really make a lot of distinctions between Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, Taiwanese, etc. But they are so different from each other that they they constitute different civilizations pretty much and um they don't readily get along either they for the most part detest each other like within the asia pacific region i think the only large uh well the japanese have friends in taiwan taiwan i say would say would be a a, a friendly nation and then south asia so the vietnamese the cambodians and the thais but their next two neighbors, uh, the Koreans on either side of the peninsula, the north or the south, and the Chinese, constitute uh, mortal enemies that I don't think will ever be resolved for a thousand years. Actually, this place, Northeast Asia, is the most militarized place on the planet. More goes into GDP and there's more military, there's more bombs, there's no more planes. There's more tanks than anywhere in the world, which a lot of people find hard to believe, but it's actually true. And the Koreans hate the Japanese. The Koreans hate the Chinese. The Koreans hate the North Koreans. The Chinese hate the Japanese. They, they all are groups of people that despise each other. Now, having said all of that, the societies themselves are among, I would say, the most, when you're in them, among the most civilized and harmonious in the world now, I'm not I'm not including mainland China in that because uh, the mainland Chinese suffered under <coughs> the cultural revolution. The cultural revolution, excuse me. Um, but um, I would probably include the Taiwanese, the Koreans. Uh, I've not I've never been to North Korea, but and the Japanese among the most civilized peoples on the planet. They don't resolve issues on the street of Hey, did you look at my girlfriend? Let's have a fight. Uh, they, they just they don't have this sort of impetus toward violence, petty crime. They don't have impetus toward drunken fights um, and, uh, and and thievery. That's another thing. So you can have these gorgeous vending machines that serve hot coffee out in the middle of nowhere and nobody's going to vandalize it for the quarters that are inside of it. So um, the way I describe where I am, I would not only describe Japan, but Northeast Asia as a place a bastion of civilization and civilized behavior the way we would like it to be or the way it used to be in our countries prior to the 1960s does that does that sort of 
yeah help i was that was that Def- a good definitely helpful okay. yeah and that that whole thing yeah. about the militarization that's not something you hear very often that's a good point mm. marvin any other things you want to add <laughs> um when i came here i i was a scientist and, and was employed in the middle of a large corporation and it was very victorian the rules the stilt everything was very hierarchical well it was hierarchical in that big corporation people were adored and Little corporation people look down on. I was very sensitive to that. The language is very, very different between different classes of people, like Victorian England, and that really struck me. And you, um, you can see how they're how they're kind of built because someone gets into trouble, they're in serious. Well, I'm always interested in why it is, but the uh, when you do something unacceptable here, it's not you; it's everyone involved with you gets that gets into trouble. So. Uh, I studied this in law school as well. The when there's a problem, the police will kick it back to the community and say, "You guys have a problem, and if you don't solve it, you're all in trouble." So it's extremely so- social. Um, I guess I would, the main thing I would add to what Felix said is is the extreme sociableness. When you die, whether you go to heaven or not is not determined by your personal private decisions. It's determined by how your group felt about you did you were you good good enough to them um when women uh decide to have sex or not on a date it's not determined by their the the restriction on that the uh you know the the pressure against having sex is not come from a feeling of morality or god or anything it's all about what will other people think it's a very different um way of organizing things um and even now, like the laws, in America, laws are law, but in Japan, they're just used as tools. If you do what people need and want and you, and you care about them, you can get away with stuff. That's why we have a lot of personal freedom here, because if you mean well, if you're not hurting someone, so what? Now, I've had this conversation actually, I, I, I'd like to add to that. I'd like to add to that. Yeah. That's actually very much the case. So long, so long as you're not infringing upon anybody else, you can pretty much do whatever you like. Um, the one thing is, is that there is the community and uh, the community, if you are creating, I guess, unharmonious activities or you're, you're unbalancing the community or you're unbalancing wah, uh, you will get a dressing down, you know, from somebody within the community. Um, one thing I would have to uh, say that in places like, you know, central Tokyo, it doesn't even matter anymore because central Tokyo is like, um, you know, I mean, I live in um, it's a foreign place. It is. I mean, like for where, where I live right now, the, the convenience stores are literally entirely uh, staffed by Nepalese. <laughs> and uh, um, I don't even know, like I do know my neighbors, but they won't even talk to me even when they go out and like, they've got this, um, what, what is, what is the name of the dog that Churchill had? What are those ugly fucking things? What are they called? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to swear. Um, pug? You can I, it, not a pug. It's not pug? a pug. It's, uh, oh. it's the, the Churchill dog, uh, the British dog, the, British the dog of Britain. What are the, what are those things called? They're ugly as anything. The little, they're, they're like a pug, but they're anyway, Bulldog. my next door neighbor has one of those. She's an anime, She's actually a famous anime uh, uh, artist. And every time I say hi to her, she's just like, 
hello. And then she just runs away with her dog to to take her dog to do do his business, you know, a few times a day. And um, and we've been living next door to each other for years. So Tokyo is um not a is absolutely not a good example of what Japan is about. Tokyo is is it's not dysfunctional. I mean, you don't see any sort of petty crime or anything, but people aren't friendly here as they would be, I think, where Marvin lives. So I I, I just wanted to make that caveat. So I lived in Tokyo in the early 2000, late 90s, early 2000s. And I've been back a number of times. I'd say it hasn't really changed that much, except a couple of things. Well, you mentioned, Felix, the, the foreigners in the convenience stores, like Nepalese or Indonesian. That wasn't happening like 20 years ago. And then those yeah, phones. Yeah. But I don't think it's really changed well, yeah, that much. I was going to add to what Felix said uh it really becomes clear to you. I worked in the, I, I was in the big city for years and I'm in the tiny countryside. And it's interesting that people in the countryside, even though they normally would hate each other and sometimes they do, they get together and they rely on each other and they, they become friends whether they like it or not. It's really weird. Um, we have community uh, cleanup, you know, on Saturdays we all come out for three hours and clean up the, uh, the common road or whatever. And I see people that I know hate each other, but we, we end up relying on each other. We have community newsletters where we, each one passes on the, the letter to the next. Uh, my local, one of the guys down the street has a, has a shotgun. The police come by and talk to his neighbors. Is this guy, is, is he uh, suicidal and so on? It's, there's a lot of uh, interactions that, um, between people that normally wouldn't in the big city, they would have no nothing to do with each other. But just because they're they're the only people around, I mean, you you go when you go down the street, if you meet someone, you always stop and talk to them. I think maybe it's just more like maybe the uh, rural Japan is similar to rural America of fifty years ago. Andy of Mayberry, kind yeah, of. Yeah, uh, you're talking about the Andy Griffith show, right? Yeah, Andy Griffith show. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I, one of my one of my favorite shows of all time. Ron Howard uh, from Happy Days actually got his start on there, and he actually directed, I think, the last Star Wars movie, uh, Han Solo. Just to put that out there, um, and I would agree with that. I think that cities are intrinsically anti-human, and I've absolutely come to understand that while living in a city that so. Tokyo proper, I think, is about 13 or 14 million. But if you actually look at the metro area where where you combine the entire metropolitan area of um, Kanagawa, Saitama, Chiba, and Tokyo, where the city actually lives, it's, it's about 40 million people, which is more people than Canada, more people than, uh, more people than Australia, it's more people than... A lot of us, uh, European countries, it's not, and about about the same as as California, because California is just completely overpopulated. But um, one, I've I've actually one of the things I've I've realized is that cities, on on the level of, uh, let's say more than fifty thousand, are are intrinsically anti-human. But I mean that's completely off topic. Just something I was just thought I I would throw in there. I think Marvin's battery died. He dropped off, but I think okay. we just keep going. All right, that's fine. He was he was in he was in a cafe. He's he's actually getting a, a visa to go over to China to talk to them about his um, 
as as he was saying he was a he was a scientist and then a patent lawyer and now he's he's into circuitry and and he was actually getting a visa at the consulate in Osaka um to go over and uh and present his 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 ideas and his his inventions so anyway Marvin into the ether you go it was great but anyway we'll talk soon <laughs> he, seemed, he seems like a very interesting guy maybe he'll he'll get back on i'll keep my eye out but i wanted to talk he, to he's him got, he's got an olive he's got an olive farm on an inland island in japan i mean he's he's incredibly interesting um anyway sorry go ahead a bunch i i gotta talk yeah. to him about the congo you know so this show i just started it and I mostly lived in China as an expat, so most of my connections are China-related. So this is the first time I'm branching out to another Asian country, but I thought we'd get into Africa this time. It's all good, though. Um, so, Felix... I have to be... I've only ever been to North Africa. I've never been to oh, yeah. Sub-Saharan, so I can't help you out there at all. Sorry about that. That's uh, all good. So you lived in yeah. Turkey. You mentioned that they always want to fight their neighbors. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, it, it's interesting. When I lived in Turkey, was at the beginning of the current president. His name is Recep. So their C is a J sound in English. So it looks like Recep, but it's Recep Erdogan. And it's very interesting. So like Turkey, when I was there, Turkey was the Islamic country. So let's okay. I have to go back in time a little bit, and I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. At the end of the First World War, the like all not all, but many of the great dynastic monarchies were destroyed. The Austro-Hungarian Empire fell. The Russian monarchy fell. The the czars and also the Ottoman Empire fell. It was basically the elimination of a lot of the large empires that had dominated uh, the Eurasian continent for, let's say, I don't know, 500 years. And um, the man that took control of Turkey at the, at the end of the Ottoman Empire, his name was Mustafa Kemal, and he ended up garnering the name Ataturk. And Ataturk means father of the Turks. And it's interesting because he was born in Greece, uh, but Greece at the time was part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, I'm not going to get into his sexuality or his his philandering, or but he was uh, an, a person that understood that if Turks remained part of the Middle East, they would be pretty much relegated to what you know the and they have no oil. They'd be relegated to what the Iranians or the or the Pakistanis are. He completely changed the the entirety of society so uh hijabs the head covering for women were banned and the fez the sort of like little what shriners wear in the united states the you know my granddad was a shriner and a mason and they wear these little fez hats they were uh, abolished you weren't allowed to wear them and he also changed the the Turkish language from being written in Arabic script to Roman script or Latin script. And he pretty much set the country on a course of secularism. He, um, the oldest and most grand church on the planet is the St. Sophia church. And it was built around 300 AD and it still exists. And he turned that. So 
when Constantinople, which was basically the end of the Roman Empire, fell in 1453. So a lot of people, because of Catholic Catholic understanding of, of the Roman Empire and the fall of Roman Empire, people believe it fell in 400s. It didn't. It fell about a thousand years later in Constantinople. And so from that point, from 1453 up until 19... I guess maybe 20 it they converted it into a mosque he converted it into a museum um what's happened over the last 15 years or so is that there is an islamist president who has pretty much thrown shade and tried to reverse all of the 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 secular changes to the country that Ataturk did about a century ago and reform the country on Islamic terms. So that church I was just talking about has been reconverted into a mosque. So it was a church for a thousand years. It was converted into a mosque for about 500. It was a museum for about 90 and it's been reconverted into a, into a mosque. Um, Turkey right now is belligerent because it sees itself so what is happening right now is that certain societies are absolutely rejecting the western model of nation state so like you can be a pakistani show up in california and in five years you get your citizenship yes i am american i am just as american as you who has lived here for you know 500 years that is the the concept of the nation state and i didn't do that accent i was just trying to articulate what i was trying to say but there are certain countries right now india uh china uh, and turkey is one of them that are working on what are called civilization states they are trying to what's called reconstitute their understanding of themselves as a society based on their civilization rather than being a nation state. They are civilizational states. And the current president, uh, Erdogan, is re is attempting to reconstitute Turkey along those lines. And in doing so, it's necessary for him to become, let's say, I don't want to say rambunctious. He's being he's being he's being ab absolutely um I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think of my words here carefully <laughs> he's he's trying to reconstitute what was the ottoman empire so what you do see is he's he's drilling for gas in what are territorial greek waters he's earning the rapture of of nato of the eu he's going over in the recent azerbaijan versus armenian war he's helping out the the muslims in azerbaijan with drones that basically annihilated the Armenian forces. He's working, so for example, before he arrived on the scene, Turkey was the only Muslim Middle Eastern ally that Israel had. And he's completely thrown that under the bus. Israel is now the enemy. Uh, he's, he's upturned everything in order to reconstitute, I would say, a neo Ottoman Empire. Sorry, that's a really convoluted and long uh, answer to your question, but it's, it's all good. Yeah, that's what's happening. Marvin is back, by the way. I think he's gotta untap the mute. Hey, Felix, when did you move to Japan? Well, 
the first time I ever came to Japan was in the late nineties with, um, actually with my dad. Uh, he had a uh, business interests here, uh, moving here. I came about 10 years ago, but then I left for a number of years and I came back again about, I don't know, five, five years ago, about something like that. Cool. Are you able to talk about what you do for work or anything like that? Over there? Uh, not really, because um, one of the problems with our current society, I would have no problem prior to, let's say, Obama. But the problem is, is what we have is called cancel culture. And um, the fact that is that I don't generally ascribe to all, all aspects of the current meta-narrative that is propounded by big tech, uh, the mainstream media and finance that, that owns them all. Um, I'm pretty much at, at, at the whim of people trying to find me, dox me and make me unemployable. And um, that's a very unfortunate uh, evolution of our society, but it is something that we are, we are living in. Yeah. So I, I, all I'll say is that um, I, I work um anyway i do work um <laughs> i don't yeah i don't i don't i don't work with people let's say that i don't work okay. with people so is it better being in japan from this point of view i mean if you were in oh, it, 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 it's a lot better it's a lot better because i don't worry about people ever coming to my door and knocking on it and <laughs> i don't worry about losing banking privileges or i actually even the word using that privilege I have a friend of mine, and I'm not even lying to you. I, I was living in London um, in 2019. So like this whole COVID has just thrown time into, into the ether. But I lived in London for about six months in 2019. And I met this girl. And uh, she's actually, she's on the internet. Probably a lot of your, your followers will know her. I'm not going to name her. But she was... Uh, I guess she described herself as a burlesque dancer. So she did like, let's say sexy dance, but not completely nude well, sometimes, but she did it as a, as an art form. D does that make sense? Like not, she's not like with a pole and, she's a stripper, and guys throwing but, dollars at her. Does but really that, classy. Like a really yeah, classy. A classy a cl it's called burlesque is, is what she, yeah, anyway, she came out, she came out as a Trump supporter. She was from New York city. Um, and she's she's gorgeous, uh, beautiful, like these, you know, just glass green eyes, black hair. Uh, she's, uh, I believe she's from Serbia. Uh, well, her family was from there, but she's like American. And because she came out as a Trump supporter, she not only basically couldn't work anymore in New York, she lost her bank, uh, Chase Manhattan. She lost all of her friends wow. and her entire basically life fell apart. So she moved to London to get away from it because she, her entire life fell apart because of, well, I think that lower taxes are a good idea. And I don't think Hillary Clinton is a good person. And her entire <laughs> life was at, to the point where she wasn't even, a, she wasn't even able to have banking services in New York city as a burlesque dancer to put this into perspective. So this is kind of why, um, yeah, here in Japan, I don't feel the same, the same anxiety. I think that people would feel, you know, in let's say New York, if that makes any difference. So she could have kept her mouth shut politically 
opened a really raunchy OnlyFans account, and she oh have yeah, no problem. And she, no problem. she made made millions, made millions. She's she's gorgeous. I mean, I'm not going to say who she is, but there are there are pictures of her uh, topless and bottomless on the internet. And my good God, she's the one. Of, she's 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 the vision of beauty. Should we, of, should we put of, her up on screen? She's a vision of beauty. No, we shouldn't put her up on screen. You don't want to mention her name. I think I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah, but I don't want to mention her name. I don't want to mention yeah. her name. Fair enough. Cool. And hey, Marvin, when did you move over to Japan? What year was that? Well, I moved here permanently about three years ago, three to four years ago. Um, before that, I spent a few years part-time reconverting, rebuilding an old warehouse on the waterfront. I was I, I lived here in the bubble period. I, I came over as a scientist for four years uh, at, at a Takeda, chem, a large chemical company. What year was that, Marvin? And I went back. Oh, that was uh, eighty-eight to ninety-two. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah. So um, the bubble was just getting over at that time. Everyone here was crazy. That they're the they were number one and. And I, I was thinking, you guys are nuts. You're you're crazy. You know, you're out of touch with it. Now nowadays, they think they're number zero. They're, it's the opposite. People here have, have no confidence in their country. It's it's I, such a strange thing. To I would agree. I, th- I think they even call it the Galapagos, the Galapagos. Like uh, as far as I yeah. understand, a lot of the Japanese call their country now the Galapagos Islands. The sort of forgotten. <laughs> uh, just this 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 land that that the world has forgotten about yeah yeah everybody loves and their attitudes towards china was interesting um because back then at at the bubble period the bubble period cooled off and america was falling and the japanese people actually started to love china is very very interesting because they were looking up to america then they stopped they realized america wasn't worth looking up to this is i'm talking about the early 90s they started looking up to China. I really thought that they wanted to emulate China, and and then China treated them really bad. Yeah, China's oh, not, not the Chinese. The Chinese. The, the problem with the Japanese is that they are hemmed in by millennia-old nemeses, right? Like, and 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 there's no way. This is the thing about about, for example, people joke if you go to the UK, oh, the the smelly French and the surrender monkey cheese, or you know, the, the sauerkraut or, you know, there's this sort of like, you know, jo- jovial talk about yeah. ancient nemeses in Europe. But the, the 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 anger and the rage in Northeast Asia is absolutely real. So one of the things that I would I would suggest on this that's very interesting is the Japanese have been covertly understanding the retreat of American power. They understand that America is collapsing. They understand they cannot count on America. So they've been building up. They've got actually the second largest uh, blue water Navy in the world. And the funny part is, is that all of the new uh, fighter jets, the F, I think it's the F-35 because the F-22, they won't sell uh, outside of the United States. And I think both of them are actually piles of shit as far as I understand avionics wise. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that the F-35 can uh, do a vertical, a vertical uh, landing. The Japanese have been building what are called, quote, helicopter aircraft carriers, closed quote, right? They understand that they're going to have to deal with these problems themselves, 
in the future. And the Japanese have built up pretty much the second largest blue water Navy on the planet under the auspices of Article 9 in their constitution, which uh, yeah. prohibits any sort of uh, offensive weaponry. But the thing is, is that all the weaponry that they're building right now can yeah. within like 90 days be be shifted over into sure. offensive offensive weaponry so they're, about, they're, they're building aircraft carriers yeah. in yang anyway sorry i was going to say they they changed about five years ago it seemed to me they started all these advertisements uh teaching young people how it's great to be part of the military and um oh you go into the subway you go into the subways there's there's all the, those military uh advertisements to join they're everywhere they're everywhere how and in china they're doing the same thing how emasculating does that feel if you're a nation and you're totally dependent on another country militarily you're not allowed to have an army or a navy but you gotta depend on big brother usa that can't be good psychologically for like men in a country it's it's not good but i think they understand that the the period of the pax americana is dwindling into the sunset they understand that the pax americana is 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 Countries, countries generally, if you look at like uh, Glub or you look at Spengler, where he talks about the seasons of a civilization, Glub talks about uh, the 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 ending of civilization. Um, America is is passing into its twilight at the moment, and the Japanese, at least, I would, be, I, as I can tell, in their military spending and what they're spending military on, they are understanding that America is passing into its twilight and will no longer be there uh, as a force in East Asia. And they're going to have to be a porcupine as it were, you know, the, the whole, like the Swiss, the Swiss doctrine of the porcupine, you know, you, you, you are armed to the teeth and it will be way too much hassle for any adversary to overtake your, your, your population centers or your territory. So um, it, it is emasculating, but I think the at least insofar as the the people that control the country, they understand that the the Pax Americana is 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 coming to an end. I, that's a good point about por- porcupine. I hadn't thought of that. Um, I I've been going a lot to China the last couple of years, um, and I'm surprised by how much um, mili- there's a military feeling. You know, the few times I turned the television on, I was kind of shocked by it. it. Seems like, like military shouting and band playing, and um, when I talk to people there, they it's really clear how how strongly patriotic patriotic they are, and they're getting more and more so. I I was I was attending meetings with people, scientists from all over the world. We're all hosted by the by the Chinese, and we're talking amongst ourselves. This is they're going to do this for about two years, and then this is about two years ago, and then they're going to stop, and then it's going to be you know foreigners going to be devils again. Right now they need us, but as soon as they get everything they 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 want from us, <laughs> yeah, I can speak oh, to that I, a bit the the patriotism and and all that because i so i used to teach for four years in china i was in a city called nanchang in the uh, jiangxi province start where is manchang is jiangxi, that north south east west jiangxi, i'm not exactly sure where that is south central 
China. So okay. it's Jiangxi Province. South Central. South so Central, they have the yeah. Crips. They, it, they had their their version of the Crips and the Bloods. I'm just joking. Sorry about it's, that. It's rough. Actually, there, there's a funny story. It's it's a rough place. And you know when the Japanese invaded, the Chinese would call them Ruben Guiza. It's like Japanese devils. But there were these guys in Nanchang who dressed up like Japanese soldiers, and they would go raid villages in the province, and uh, you know just take you know plunder, rape. Do what the Japanese soldiers did and just, you know, do it for themselves, essentially. So they called them Nanchang Guiza, like Nanchang devils. So, yeah, it, it was a little rough. It had its rough patches. But there were a lot of students, uh, like young men, who were pretty fired up about China's military and prospects of war. And they used to do these little sessions. Like every month, the administrators of the school would get all the guys together. They'd separate the guys and the girls, and they'd show them these videos of, like, all the latest military tech and kind of get them fired up about China being a, a powerful, you know, military country. Well, that's the thing. One of the things I've, I've understood about the Chinese they're very clever at is that any sort of problem that the country does have is what they will do is they'll reorganize that uh, energy toward venting it against foreign entities, as it were, you know? So for example, like if, the one thing about the Chinese that's really it goes back a thousand years is that China is not as I guess sturdy as people believe it is. It's it's the difference between what's called the coast and the interior. And that's why Mao's Great March started in the interior and led itself out to the coast, is that um the, the coastal regions of China are China is not like Japan and it's not like Korea. The Japanese are like when they, they describe themselves, and I think uh, both of you who've lived here, the Japanese describe, we Japanese think A, B, and C. We Japanese X, Y, and Z, right? And whereas the Chinese are like, the Japanese are and the Koreans are very, how would you say? Um, their insularness creates a, an idea of community that doesn't exist with the Chinese. The Chinese are very much me and my family against everybody else. Well, so on the, the surface, though, they do that we Chinese thing. They say our Chinese. On, they say well, on the surface, they do. Yeah, but I would say yeah, it's a very you're looking after you and your clan. I would say that's yeah, like, exactly. That's yeah, exactly get, the Chinese. So yeah, when you get deeper, all I was all I was trying to say is that the 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 Chinese. Um, they basically have this oscillation of the interior versus the coastal regions. And this happened, uh, one of the largest wars in all of human history that nobody has ever heard of happened in the 19th century. It had almost the equivalency of deaths between the Second World War and the First World War. I think it was something along the lines of about 35 million people. So it wasn't as much as the first, Second World War, but it was more than the First World War. And it was promulgated by a guy who described himself as the brother of Jesus Christ reincarnated. And it was a war that went on for about 25 years. And this is why the Chinese are so adamant. So, for example, on their social credit score, any sort of adherence toward what they call a cult will be you, you will be just thrown into a dungeon. And this is why they will not allow Catholicism, any sort of Christianity. To... Oh, I, that explains that. That really explains a lot. 
Yeah. Um, so I've always wondered why they're so crazy about, you know, cults and religion. Well, because they, they, they suffered one of the largest uh, the, wars in human history and, and the death toll was, was catastrophic and nobody's even ever heard of it. So, um, they, they have a long memory, the Chinese. So like we have these cycles of four year elections. Oh, I want Obama, <laughs> Obama, or I want, uh, I don't know, Trump, Trump, these guys work in generational cycles. So, and they, and they have a very, very long memory. And this is why they don't tolerate, uh, foreign influence, foreign ideas, foreign, um, because unfortunately they've suffered uh and millions of tens of millions of deaths uh based on what they perceive as foreign ideas within their society so is not one of their cycles taking over taiwan well i i honestly think that they're going to with biden as president i think they're going to have to the the hundredth anniversary not the hundredth anniversary of the communist revolution but the 100th anniversary of the Communist Party in China is this year. And they've made overtones. They've made overtones that that part of this anniversary will be the reclamation of China back into the, or sorry, Taiwan back into the motherland. So, yeah. Which is a special date. It, it is a very, and, and, and Chinese are very auspicious on dates, as, yeah. you, as you probably both well know. Sorry, There's I've been talking way too long. That. I've been talking way too long. You guys, Oh, please. well, you are the guest, oh, Felix. Fascinated. Yeah, I would say they're probably going to take it in the next five to ten years, if not sooner. Think, think about what they did. They took Hong Kong. Everyone's like, oh, 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 oh this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. And then COVID comes around and everyone's fucking forgotten. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. I apologize. Everybody's forgotten about Hong Kong. Hong Kong's gone. It's done. It's finished. And I, I think I saw in the news the other day something along the lines of, I can't remember the number. I think it was either between 20. It was under 100, but it was over 20, probably around 50 of Hong Kong's uh, most prominent democracy advocates were all like thrown into in, into jail yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Well, I agree with you about Taiwan. I think they're going to be attacked and taken over uh, mm. within, you know, soon. Mm. Probably within around six months or less, I think. Because Biden, um, Biden will not, will not, yeah. Uh, yeah, he will not support them. Trump would have, and that's the the Chinese are like sitting there licking their lips and clasping in their hands and giggling. <laughs> Stupid Americans, <laughs> look at what you've done. We get Taiwan back, and I'm not, I'm not saying that in a, in a parody of of, uh, of Chinese people because I love Taiwan. It, it's actually it's heartbreaking. Because Taiwan is actually what China should be. Should be, could be. Should be and could be. Taiwan is an example of what China could be and should be, but is not. I mean, China could be a beacon on this planet of... Uh, Taiwan is one of the, the most... Um, I think one of the, the best countries I've ever been to. Um, and uh, oh. their people are lovely. Their culture is amazing. And the idea of them being subsumed by the, the communist mainland is just, it's heartbreaking to tell you the truth. Yeah, Taiwan. Um, it it is, really is. It's like a really good mix of the best parts of China, the best parts of Japan, all kind of mixed together in one little island. It really is. It really, really yeah. is. And, and it's just, it's such a, a jewel. And the fact that, that the Chinese are going to basically try to snuff it out. I, I, I hate the fact 
that Taiwan, whenever it goes to any sort of uh, sporting event, they always have to carry the Olympic flag and they call themselves, they can't be Taiwan. They're, they're called Chinese Taipei. Do, 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 okay, here's something that's very interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, but before Nixon went to China, and I believe that was in 1972, Taiwan held the Security Council seat for China. Yeah, in the yeah I remember that. Yeah. And, and after Nixon went to China, everyone basically threw Taiwan under the bus. Under the um, bus. Yeah, they did. So, I mean, well, Chiang Kai shek, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Chiang Kai shek um, believed that Taiwan contr- was the real China and the, and the mainland was part of Taiwan. And he refused to. to uh, right. Well, he, I, and I he was right. Yeah. He's right. He's right. He, he they, would not compromise on that. And Chiang Kai shek so was right. He didn't he want right. an independent country. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's changed a lot now where there, there's one side of the country that's. Hey, we are the Republic of China. The other side, that's no, we are Taiwan. We are, you know, its own country. Well, it's well, been so I long. Have, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Marvin. You go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt again. Uh, in the uh, 1980s, I worked uh, with a bunch of uh, Taiwanese uh, scientists in America and got to know them pretty well. We used to talk about Taiwan a lot. I also knew... Uh, 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 Taiwanese who actually were really mainlanders who went to Taiwan. And I learned there's a huge disparity. The Taiwan people have been suffering under the mainlanders for thousands of years. Every time there's a problem in the mainland, the losers come to Taiwan and declare themselves sovereign over them. It's been going on forever. So the, the real Taiwanese people uh, have always been there and they've always been dominated by Guys, Chiang Kai-shek is not a Taiwanese guy. No, Taiwan is the Chinese Okinawa, as far as I can tell. Correct? Would you not agree? I'd say like, so. it's kind of the, the, yeah. the Chinese Okinawa, because yeah. Okinawans are not Japanese either, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah they got their own <laughs> minority groups, their own languages, cultures. That's very different from the minority groups in the mainland, too, you know, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. We saw in World War II time that when one big thing happens, the other countries see uh, a, a time time opportunity to do their thing. If Taiwan suddenly were invaded tomorrow, I would you're going to see a lot of other things happening in America and in Europe at the same time to take advantage of the chaos. Do you think? Well, I think America. To be honest, I think America as an experiment. Um, it basically signed its death warrant with the Hart Seller Act in 1965 when E. Pluribus Unum. Well, that, that was when they changed the Immigration Act where um, anyone can come, right? So the idea was oh. that E. Pluribus Unum from many become one, uh, which is actually still on, 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 I think it's the dollar bill. The idea that uh, you come to America, you shed... So I think it was Teddy Roosevelt said that you come to America and you shed whatever it is, what you were, and you become American. The idea is that, you know, whatever you were before, that's done. You come to America, you become American. And after 1965, they changed, it's called the Hart Seller Act. And that was when uh, they changed the 
immigration ideas where most 90% of like, well, 90% of America at the time, 92% were of European extraction. And I think uh, 7% were African-American and 1% of uh, others. Um, Once they changed that and then said, everyone can come and nobody has to integrate. We all become a multicultural tapestry. That's when America died. I mean, it, it literally died. Look at what it is today. You know, you can arrive from wherever it is and you just join your community. And for example, there are people that are born in, in, in Los Angeles and they grow to maturity and they can't speak English because they're, they're subsumed in, a, in, a, in a, a, a Spanish-speaking place. I'm not saying these are bad people. What I'm saying is that this is not a way for any sort of society to govern itself if you want to have any sort of longevity. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really think that America has much of a future, to tell you the truth. And I don't think uh, any Western society that that basically lives along these particular lines where you can show up and you don't have to even learn the language, integrate, or even be part of the community. But, you know, you get voting rights and you get uh, whatever largesse the political class will throw at you. I don't really think that that a, a society like that has has uh, any sort of longevity in in front of it. Well, I could guys, be wrong. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. America has no future. And uh, the the more interesting question to me at this point is, what's the next thing in terms of human civilization? I I see an evolution continuously occurring here. I think we can build a better society. And, I agree. Uh, I we, agree. We've generated. What was the meaning? Looking back, what did America do anyway? It created, a, it explored and created all this great technology. I think it's time to just settle. settle America back. put a man on the goddamn moon before it, the Heart Seller Act, and America, uh, <laughs> America chose. America chose to literally put in fifty Marshall Plans into the rest of the world via foreign aid. And what has it gotten? Nothing, just more mouths to feed. I mean, it's, it's a Malthusian trap, but the problem is, is that America has, has taken emotional, has taken an emotional stance on geopolitical realities rather than a rational stance. And this is, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off Marvin, but I, I would hundred percent agree with you. Well, that, that kind of, Props the the question of what is the nation state was the nation state a a viable entity going forward? I I would argue it. Well, you mentioned before there's uh his, like you're talking about Erdogan, you know, in, in Turkey, there's um something that goes beyond the nation state itself. There's a culture or maybe a religion it, it, or something. They're, they're literally calling it the civilization state. So it's Russia, oh, Pakistan, state. India, China, uh, Turkey. A number of different countries are now are refuting the idea of the nation state as constituted by Western people for the last hundred years or more than that. And they're 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 literally going back to what they believe is their civilizational state. And the best the, the best examples of that are Russia, China, uh, Pakistan, India and Turkey. Japan could do it if they wanted to in a second, if they wanted to. But they, they haven't. But yeah. Uh, it, it, it's basically the uh, it, it's a new iteration of geopolitical um, I guess flag waving 
is that we I are like not your, where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, they are not uh, part of the geopolitical order of the Western dominated world. And we, we have our civilization and our civilization constitutes our nation rather than the other way around. Right. And um, the, yeah. the best examples of it, as I said, are, are Turkey with Erdogan, how he's reforming uh, a, a basically a neo-Ottoman empire. The, the Chinese, obviously, uh, Russia under Putin and Putin is actually, as far as I understand, he might have Parkinson's, he might be leaving, but the Russians are doing the same. And, and the Japanese could do it at any point if they wanted to. So it's a, it's a rejection. That's important. The Japanese could do it at any point. Yeah, they could. They at any point they it, wanted to. At any point. If they did that, they could. They would go back to an Edo period. You combine that with technology, that's it. That's the future. Yeah, absolutely. Small, independent, geographically isolated areas working for themselves, becoming self-reliant, self-resilient, developing very complex cultures which is what you know what japan had recycling everything and to me that's the best future we can hope for that's, that's i agree i totally agree here. with you i totally agree with you the japanese the one thing that people have uh they have this idea that you just have to keep like shooting up more babies in order to make gdp grow <laughs> no you really don't especially living here when you go to a sushi restaurant and a, and a robot meets you and you punch it and he gives you your, your ticket and tells you where to seat uh, or sit, excuse me. Um, I, I would agree with you. I think that um, the Japanese, because they're under, you know, I guess 75 years of American uh, empire are still kind of, they're basically, they've got one foot on, you know, one, one plank and a foot on another plank. As I told you about their, their military buildup. 90 days to shift over their entire blue water Navy, their Navy. Uh, if things didn't go nuclear, uh, for example, like with, with ICBMs or something, if it went toe to toe with the, with the Chinese Navy, the Japanese Navy would sink the Chinese Navy in, in a day, in a day. Oh. I mean, they, they have, they have over a century of Naval expertise and now with their blue water, they've they, done it too. Yeah, their blue water navy, their blue water navy. I mean, the, the Chinese are still a brown water navy. They they they're trying to put their their toe into the blue water, but they're still a brown water navy. And um, well, getting yeah, getting back to this idea of civilization development. Yeah, Japan has always evolved in face of a challenge based on foreign ideas. And what I see now, I, we were talking about this before um, yesterday, perhaps or the other day. The foreigners, what I see in Japan now is they're looking to us foreigners for, for, for good ideas, what to do. Mm. I'm just amazed. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt you, Marvin, yeah. because that was actually a very interesting conversation we had the other day. And I think the viewers might be interested in you elaborating on that conversation. Well, because I, I, I'm I starting think out my observation a conversation. Would you, would my you, observation you, you, when I was yeah, in, yeah exactly sorry I mean sorry yeah, well, yeah that's right uh, my my observation um, when I, in the uh, late eight, late late 80s the uh, the Japanese uh, hired me as a scientist and they brought me into the middle level of this one of the the biggest chemical company at the time R and D labs and they said look do your thing Americans are best are, are best in research don't 
don't worry, argue, disagree with your boss as much as you want. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to learn from you. We're going to watch you. So <laughs> I had all this freedom, right? Mm. You were like, you were um, like the Mr. And even now, for scientists. Yeah. Well, they told me, you know, you know, they, they were at the time they were sending lots of their scientists to American uh, universities to see not only, well, they're trying to steal ideas. For, you know, they actually tell me, tell me, the guys would come up to me and say, tell me, how do I take ideas, you know, <laughs> to this to this lab I'm going to go visit, you know, for the next year, couple of years in Harvard, you know, that kind of conversations we had. But now, now there's, there's a big problem with COVID. They're worried about the economy going down. Um, my town has like 9,000 people and we're scattered around a bunch of islands. There's only like 0.2% of us are foreigners, but we're getting all the COVID money. Uh, I got $20,000. Yeah, exactly. I would like you to tell, tell, tell. I got $20,000 worth of yen because I have an idea and I'm not afraid. I'm building a deck on the, on the beach, on the beach, you know, like a, you know, like a nice Hawaii five, you know, Hawaii beach party kind of deck. No one would ever possibly do that, but I don't care. Like who owns the beach? I don't give a damn. I think I own it. And if they don't like it, that's too bad. You know, it's like, so I'm building, I'm building out this stuff and they're going, and they're giving me this money there to build out stuff, knowing that I'm going to do it. Um, and we're, cause they want people to come there to visit. And if they were to give that money to a Japanese person, they've never, you know, step outside. Marvin, tell, small, tell, them, tell them about the box. conversation yesterday. Like there's a seventies, like rock guy and uh, a, a bunch of people that are also New Zealand people. They're all getting, Oh money yeah. From the- from the local yeah, that's right. There's tell, a seventies, seventy six uh, um, rock guy, somewhat famous musician who who located there, and they gave him five thousand dollars to to buy uh, amplifiers. So he, and, and he promised the town he's going to invite rock bands to come out. And there's a, a New Zealand guy who who came out on a, on a big catamaran, and now he's he's living there with his kids and. Uh, um, they're, um, he's getting $20,000 worth of yen to, to build out stuff, uh, to bring tourists in. And there's another guy, another person from New Zealand has got around, I think $20,000 to build up another tourist attraction. Um, that's what they're doing. I got a friend of mine. Uh, I, I don't mean one. to interrupt. I just want to like interject no. really quickly. I got a friend of mine who's trying to make a dating app. Uh, and he got like $20,000 from the government as well. Sorry. That's all I had to say. Please. Oh, really? Yeah. Please continue. Well, who's, uh, what's a good example of a, of a, of a successful business? Um, was it uh, SoftBank? That's a Korean guy, right? Mm -hmm. One of the richest guys is like someone from Korea. Is it? I forget his name. I'm not sure. um, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, after the war, they they went to America to, to see what Americans were doing. And Deming, they had Deming come over and teach them. Well, you know, Japanese products are, are despised because they don't work; they're cheap and crappy. And they brought the best guy they could find, Deming, over, and they're humbly listened to him and treated him well. And they copied exactly what he said and created the Deming Prize and had all these companies skill up or improve their quality of their products to become number one. Um, the Japanese, I think at heart are extremely humble and they, and they, uh, you know, they'll, you know, America, we have a, we have a, uh, a religion of, of, of creativity, 
I have a, a new thought, therefore I'm great. Uh, Japan is not I, like I love that. that. A, a, can you can you repeat that? A religion of creativity. A religion. Was, we have a creativity religion. Um, that 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 is I, actually. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. That's. Well, <laughs> I'm going to steal that, that to tell you the truth. Of the yeah, religion of creativity. Yeah. I'm going to steal that and put it on a t-shirt. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't yeah. You you take that and you make it more interesting and more playable because I I can't do that. But I I observe as a, as intellectual property lawyer. I started out as a, as a scientist and inventor in the in the 1980s and, and became a patent attorney. Uh, and then work with, uh, I've been in intellectual property, you know, my adult life, 30 years. And um, I see this. I worked at a, a large corporation in America in the middle, inventing and, and publishing research papers. And then I moved to Japan, same size company, the same kind of work, the same everything. And was a, had a very interesting comparison. The Japanese people are just as creative, just as actually smarter, I think. Just no, I, 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 I would agree. I would agree. The Japanese, the Japanese because no one cares about creativity. The Japanese, though, they have a they have a very interesting outlet. They they have um, one of the things I've I've noticed about them, and this is actually probably can't even talk about this on on your your podcast, but there are uh, let's say demographic differences in groups of humans, where Japanese will become absolutely obsessed with one thing so i've got a guy he's obsessed with organs so he's built a hundred thousand dollar uh studio within his hundred thousand dollar house in order to like play his music and 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 for example there's a television show where here in japan where all they have to do is play i think three well they'll start with three notes and then go to four notes and then five notes of train stations so when a train is arriving like a lot of train stations have for example like here in tokyo on the yamanote line they all have a different uh uh uh, song when a train's coming like and there's there's a television show where you you know they'll give them three notes and like okay that is the train station in wherever japan you know, like, let's say it's, it's in, it's in wherever Arkansas, you know, to put it into perspective and, yeah, I think and I they become obsessed with that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I had two kinds of conversations. One of them was as a scientist, I, I'm, I'm doing my experiments and people are shaking their heads at me. And I remember one time I, uh, I had a real successful experiment. I figured I proved myself wrong. My hypothesis was wrong. I told my boss about it. He got real upset. Mm-hmm. So why'd you do that? Says, well, I proved myself wrong. He says, but, but another thing they used to always tell me, you know, Americans will find and the, and the Europeans will find where the, the basic new technology, they'll put the hills, the, the, where the, tell us where the hills are. And our job is we go around and we put in all the points. We work 10 times as hard and figure out all the little details. And the other thing was, um, Americans would come out with a new product, a new kind of machine, typically in research, you know, something totally different that was very helpful. And the, and our job as Japanese is to uh, take that and actually make it work. Well, the, that is what the Japanese are good at. That is like, you have to admit, I mean, they are a lot better at the details. 
Like, like Westerners well, my are point good at is the ideas, the but they, they, yeah. they're better at the details. I'm, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be. I'm not no, going to lie. I think that's a good thing. The Japanese no, I think that's are, a good thing. are my, really good at my, the details. Well, they love. But my point is it, that right? all the basic, all the basic technology, all the low hanging fruit, is pretty much been hammered out, and the, and we've got a lot of details left. A lot of the basic. A lot of the so-called new, new, new technology—it's not new at all. It's just details. I agree. I Americans agree. Americans are not are not contributing anything. We're not contributing, goofy. but I, I would say the yeah. details, insofar as East Asian people, and a lot of people don't want to admit this, but the the problem is, is that the East Asians are a hell of a lot better at the details. They're really good at the details. It feels oh, yeah. <laughs> your your love for those Japanese toilets. That's almost that's a great example. Well, <laughs> just attention to details. You gotta get that warm seat. You know, well, like, yeah, that yeah, toilet okay. is packed with details and it gives you those little nice details in your daily life that just make it a lot. Well more it pleasant. does. I mean, I'm sorry, it does. I mean, having a, a warm toilet seat in the middle of winter and it, <laughs> it flushes and it, and it and it cleans you so you don't even have to wipe your bum. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna go with the with the toilet seats. It moves up and down by itself, and it moves up and down by itself by motion. You know, open toilet, and yeah. <laughs> so, hey, so both of you Sorry. love Japan. Obviously, <clears throat> you admire it a lot, and you're living the good life there. But you know, you're never gonna be <clears throat> Japanese. So, how do you feel about that? Like being in Japan long term, but you're always gonna be an outsider. You want to go it first? Bothered or? Me at first. Yeah, I'll go first. It bothered me at first, um, but now it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I'm not going to live forever. Who cares? You know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I don't care if I'm Japanese or not. Um, I have, I don't want to vote anyway. Um, yeah. My, yeah, my the voting part, Japanese I don't give a shit votes. about. I don't give a shit about she the put, vote. She puts yeah. down no one. She leaves it blank when she votes as a protest. I probably shouldn't say that on air, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't. Don't. But nowadays, that. you know, I if you're if you're contributing something and they see that you're working hard and you're humble, I'm accept. I feel very accepted. I'm more accepted than the than the people in town who are lazy. And there are Japanese people. Even, who even are, in Tokyo, even in Tokyo, I would say the same thing. I'm more accepted because, oh. um, you know, uh, there's a lot of these like you know antsy neighbors who are like, oh. Oh, the gaijing, the gaijing didn't put his garbage out in the absolute <laughs> right position where I put it at, you know, the, 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 the tilt. You've, you've always got these weirdo neighbors here. That's one of the things. The Japanese, as a, as a race of people, are exceptionally autistic. I mean, that, that, like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I love them to death, but let's be honest. They're, they're getting... There's a whole cadre of them that are exceptionally autistic. Like, so for example, well, you could put out the garbage at uh, 8 p.m. the night before pickup, and you put it out at 7.55, and you'll get people, yeah. wait a minute, that was five minutes before. And and you'll get, like, complaints. <laughs> I get complaints to my building oh. about that sometimes. And um, <laughs> just just the most ridiculous things, like literally autistic things. But I would say... Nobody ever, ever disputes the fact that I'm part of the community uh, contributing, even though I, you know, my community is like central Tokyo and uh, nobody, nobody's ever 
aggressive toward me as a minority because obviously i walk out of this the house you know i'm a caucasian i'm a white man and i'm taller than everybody else and bigger than everybody else nobody ever gets in my way trying to say well you don't belong here that's never happened to me well maybe once you know i you could when i first moved to my small my small village i did have i did have that and i just worked (sighs) through it by demonstrating that i cared about them and I was humble and working hard, and they became friends. Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of I remember I was did you yeah, disliked at first, but because they didn't know me. But I, I, I feel I feel like uh, well treated. In fact, so do I. I, I do too. The money. Actually, I think we're treated better. And, and um, also, I remember, you, you, don't, you yeah. don't have any sort of like aggressive police force, tax force. Uh, when any interaction I have with the government is always, um, very cordial, you know, you don't have people overlording you in East Asia. Um, yeah. would you agree with that Marvin? Maybe I've got this one detractor on Instagram every time. So for example, I have uh, down the street from where I live. I, I'm not going to tell you guys where I live, but I live in central Tokyo, which is like 40 million people, and, but right in the center. And down the road for me is a convenience store. And anyone who's interested in uh, looking at this, you can find it on my Instagram. And there's a, a, a bike that's been sitting there for almost a month. And it looks like it's at least, I'd say at least a, two let's say three to five hundred dollar bike it's a nice looking bike and there's no lock on it nothing but drunk guards you know you know coming home at night every night they use the basket in the front as a as a, as a rubbish bin so the thing is literally over the the, the front basket is overflowing <laughs> as a rubbish bin because one thing uh you both probably know is they they don't have uh trash trash cans yeah. in 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 japan they just they don't exist so well, like, if you put I, one out you're in trouble it'll get filled up like that yeah. yeah so so but this thing has been out there for a month and i've been taking photos of it on my instagram over time and i've got this <laughs> one detractor guy he's i i think he's a western dude and he lives here and he's he he utterly hates asian people but he lives here. I figure what he oh. did is he probably got a wife, got her pregnant, had a kid, and they just hated the fact that he's stuck here. So he utterly hates Japan. So I, I don't, I don't delete him. You guys can look at his. His name is Bat, Bat Shit or something. I can't remember what it is. And uh, he, everything that I ever post on my Instagram positive about Asia, he just jumps in on and and starts fighting with everybody in the comment sections. How, and, how does he? How does he feel about your birds? Oh, oh! He th- he calls them. He calls them. Uh, what does he call them? Uh, rats. Uh, rats with wings. You know. And to be honest, while I'm talking to you guys, I've got one of my buddies uh, that I got from a shelter. Uh, I got I got two new ones from a shelter uh, recently, and on my air conditioner. And he he's a, oh. he's a, he's not a he's not a nice person basically he's not a nice person but i don't ban people for not being nice people i let them speak as they like uh but yeah i have a i have a bunch of birds that live with me that are unreleasable in my house um yeah they won't survive 
they won't survive outside yeah they they will they they will die uh or like they're either physically or so for example i took two uh, i took a brother sister combo recently from a shelter in saitama it's the only bird shelter in the kanto area um they were found in a park in a box and then raised by a person and then put into a shelter and then in a cage until they were i don't know eight months or something they're just not releasable because they've never been wild they don't know how to so how many I years took, do they live well um in wild or in, or in, in captivity in captivity well uh, they can live up to 15 years in captivity but generally on oh, the streets the they live between like zero to about two oh. years so oh. but in in captivity about 15 so Felix or like not ca- I, I don't i don't consider them captivity so for example i put them in diapers so I, I use I use uh, women's um, uh, menstrual napkins, like uh, oh, how cool is that? And then I have, I've got a sewing machine where I I uh, I measure them, and then I sew them a, a, a diaper or a nappy for British for your British viewers. Can they fly. And, oh yeah, they fly. They fly. They they're flying around the house. So my entire my entire apartment is their their domain. So they can go anywhere they like. And they don't poo on my floor because I change their their nappies at about 6 a.m. and well when they get up at about 6 a.m. and then about uh 3 p.m. I change them. And then Do they look forward to it? Do they hop to you? They don't complain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 well nah, if I have peanuts. It. Peanuts peanuts are are the cocaine of of birds. They're the cocaine of birds, oh. the, the catnip of birds. They won't eat oh. walnuts. They won't eat almonds. They won't eat any nut, but peanuts, for some reason, they start shaking and they they, they purr like a cat. Uh, yeah. So that's associated with the nappy. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. So they, so I'm, I'm looking at one of them in, in the room here and they, they, they choose the room that they dominate as well. So this is my room oh. and the other ones are like, this is my room and this is my room and then and then whenever they eat they kind of like i don't know butt heads anyway this this is not really part of your show bro well Sorry. no it's cool because i did i did want to ask you because your whole persona online black pigeon speaks very pigeon centric yeah. what what inspired you to give it that name and what makes you want to keep birds in your home and all this stuff uh, well um not not to go into too much specifics but i went to india about uh, a number of years ago um and india is, is is a filthy dirty smelly horror horrific country and i i i recommend nobody listening to this ever go there and i got bit by i think it was a rat and i had an autoimmune reaction in my body that put me in hospital for close to a year in Tokyo, I was I was lucky enough to get back to Tokyo, and uh, and I was in hospital for almost a year. And the only thing I could do was to go out to this little park in front of the hospital and uh, sit there uh, for months and months and months. And there was pigeons there, and I became friends with pigeons. And this is yeah, that's where it all started. To be honest, okay, uh, I almost died. You, I can uh, see why you don't have high praise for India. Oh, I, I absolutely, uh, I, I, I recommend nobody going there, never go there. If you're a woman, especially don't go there. Cause you're going to get 
thing bad things happen to 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 women but um just health wise if you want to live don't go to don't go to any of those countries bangladesh india pakistan none of them and and you know you might end up like me literally fighting for your life for a year and it took me probably close to like eight years to 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 become semi-normal again where you could just live a normal life like not with weird diets not with weird um uh, which i still have to do weird diets you know i can't eat a lot of protein um um you know just india is is, a, is a, an absolute trash fire <laughs> like it's a dumpster fire don't go there is what i would tell anybody don't go there you know, I I had this I had this grandiose idea of like how great I, I India was the the number one destination for me in my twenties. Like I just I just I gotta go to India, gotta go to India, and then I get there and it guru almost, on the mountaintop. Yeah, and it almost killed me. It literally oh. it almost killed me uh, because they're so fucking filthy in that country. So sorry. Anyway, that that's the truth. Yeah, we're getting into Trovo so, territory. I get banned yeah. from YouTube after this one. With the sorry, <laughs> is that is that is that too Japanese, too much? Filthy? And, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And also the bad <laughs> language. I, I, also, I'm not saying that. That I'm just saying, like literally, just the hygiene, the hygiene there. Look, and, and, and Japan and the is the opposite. It, no, the Japan is the absolute opposite. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Your opinion. I'm not is trying. Opinion. I'm not trying to like trovo your your show. I'm just saying that. <laughs> it's um, all good. Look, you, it's your J opinion. Uh, I'm trying to keep yeah. my politics out of this show, um, yeah. but it's all good as long as you don't drop the Ed Bob or the the CH. No, I'm not dropping any of that. All I'm saying is that like <laughs> the, the 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 unhygienicness of the country literally put me in a hospital for almost a year, and has affected my entire life to the point where I go, I have to go to a hospital every two months to check my blood and urine since for the rest of my life because I went to India. And and I'm obviously going to have a, a a bad take on the place because of 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 the unhygienic way they 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 are uh, the way their country is. And for the rest of my life, every two months, I have to get my blood and urine taken. And it's you know for the rest of my life, it's it's been like that. So, I mean, if I have a bad take on India, yeah, maybe perhaps uh, I have a not prejudicial because I like no, but I, well, I have I have Indian friends, but I, I'm I'm just saying that the place is dangerous, you know, for people's health, and 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 my health uh, has been compromised for the rest of my life for a fucking three week trip. Sorry, I didn't mean to use the f word. Sorry, no, for a is, three week trip is... in India, my my health was compromised for the rest of my life for a three week trip to India. So yeah, just this is uh... I'm not. It's not. On the, on the contrary, living in Japan, I think, can extend your life. Yeah, I agree. I agree because the, the Japanese are literally the most clean people on the planet. I agree. I agree. So, Felix, uh, you uh, could you could swear the show. This is TVMA. This is, this is okay. I just yeah. I just I I don't know. I I don't I don't like cursing, but I mean sometimes, to be honest, like talking about my that my trip to India generally riles me up because i just get really emotional and, and angry about it so i apologize so hey marvin since we're talking about developing countries that are a little dangerous i looked at you a bit and you you done some traveling to the congo can you talk about that yeah uh, that's that's described in my book um 
I wrote a book called Take Back the Power, Explanation Point. Um, I went to Congo recently. The book of this recently. I went to Congo about two years ago because I have I developed a new kind of uh, very low cost, high efficiency electric grid um, based on natural principles and not big corporate circuits. And I tried to sell it in America, and not everyone turned their nose up at it except this uh, a guy from the Congo who was uh, he came from the jungle. Um, I mean, his family is all you know from the jungle region in the Congo. And uh, he goes back every year to put in wells and, and does fundraising. So I went, so I went with him. Uh, I, I got there a week before him. I'd spent uh, a week. I was the only pale face uh, around. We, this is waiting in Kinshasa in the slum, the slum of the slum. I mean, uh, taxi drivers would refuse to even go there. That's how bad it was. It was extremely interesting. Um, the uh, I remember going to downtown. Um, there'd be potholes in the street that literally are six foot deep. And is that true? I six tried, foot deep? Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! And I, I I remember trying to take a picture, and people are literally going to kill me if I take a picture. You know, so I uh, I I don't really have any good pictures of that. But um, the electrical grid. I have, there's a picture of it in my book. Or uh, if you if you uh, go to Amazon.com and just look at the the, the preview, you can probably find the picture in there. Uh, there's just, some, just random wires on the side of the road with 240 volts, high power. Um, while I was staying in my friend's house, um, one night I heard an explosion where two wires touched each other. They're not even insulated. Two of his friends died of electrocution one of those days from the wires. But, yeah, that was um, – you know, there's you know the, there's a movie I don't know the name where the the, the last helicopter leave Vietnam and yeah, all yeah. of how in, people in, were. in the embassy in Saigon yeah yeah well living on the main street of Kinshasa felt like that constantly it's just mm-hmm. everyone's frantic it's just high level of energy at one point you might find this interesting at one point. Um, a bunch of Muslims wearing white robes were processing down the street and my friends hid me because <laughs> they knew they could identify me as, you know, probably not Muslim. They hid me. Um, you walk along the street, if you're not careful, you might fall down into a, the ditch, you know, three foot drop, you know, it's just yeah. very dangerous. Um, but that was, uh, it's just a very, so anyway, we went to the jungle region and um, it was like everywhere I went, it was like it was like one big campground. You know, imagine living where there, 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 and it's never too cold, never too hot. Food falls from the sky, from the trees. There's no windows in any buildings because you don't need them. And people just milling about everywhere. Is uh, I forgot how we got. I don't know what what to focus on here, but I, I think that we should that. just give them more money and ask them to move to our countries because they would enrich <laughs> us entirely. I think they should. I think I think a billion Congolese should move to Tokyo because I mean, imagine yeah, how, how they all how wanted enriched. me to take them home. They yeah, all how, wanted me how to take them home. Would Tokyo be? That would be a, a wonderful. Oh, wonderful. I know. There's a the thing that struck me. This is a, a learning point for me. Was why are there so many people? You know, there's no law. There's no tax, no income tax. There's no street signs. 
even in, except for a rare a rare instance, there's really no license plates on cars. Cars are ringing. All the red lights are all the idiot lights are flashing. You know, um, nothing's taken care of. But the um, the reason why, if you live in a place like that, you must have children. If you've got lots of children, you're you you have wealth. People watch your back. You've got cousins and you know cousins everywhere. You need to have something done. A cousin will help you out and make sure it gets done. That's where the power comes from. I remember having a conversation with a guy there. He had five children. He's like 30 or something. He wanted at least two more. And I'm telling him out in Japan what it's like. And he started, to, I think he started to cry. He felt so sad for me. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that, you know, my, my health and wealth was not dependent on having lots of children. But I think that's why they, you know, they need that in a situation where there's no, there's no, there's no law or order. Um, you rely on your, you know, the best, you rely on your, your relatives. So I'll, my host had seven brothers and they took care of me. I mean, I, it was like, it's very dangerous. It's hard to go to Congo because, you know, they tell you not to go basically. Um, but I had uh, seven, seven brothers took care of me and they wouldn't let me cross the street without holding hands. That's how close everyone was. And uh, it was a very, I just had so many little experiences there. And the reason my book is easy to read that people like it is because I described this in the first part of it as my uh, finding out, learning about the American corporate system of solar energy. It's all, it's like the rest, it's like the healthcare industry. It's all based on overbuilt, um, selling you stuff you don't need, decreasing efficiency and jacking up price prices beyond belief. And that's, as an aside, I don't want to get too far away, but as an aside, this is why um, Michael Moore was right in his uh, movie, uh, Planet of Humans. Solar energy cannot solve any problems because it's way too expensive, but that's only because corporations got a hold of it. And that's the point. That's so I, had, I wrote a book on this. Um, if you do it, if you get around the corporate approach, you can drop costs at least fivefold and so on. I, I'm thinking, anyways, Nathan, you're, Nathan, you're going to be putting uh, his books uh, links in the description, correct? Yeah, it, Mar- I sh- I'd like to pull one up on the screen. The one that involves Congo. What's the name of that book? Um, well, that's part of, there's only one book, and that's uh, Take Back the Power, Explanation Point. Um just take back the power explanation point. If you read the back cover of that, it, it puts it all in a nutshell where I'm coming from. But anyway, Congo taught me, you know, a lot of things like that out in the jungle. Uh, there's absolutely no light. There's no electricity anywhere. Uh, the most important thing is lights. The second most important thing is um, communications by politicians. Um, cell phones, if you have any money at all, you buy a cell phone, a smartphone. Um, they there's have no, one, no one has money for glasses or for going to tech- a dentist or or, any, well, or anything like that's that. That's actually kind of interesting because I actually just, I just, I gave in and bought myself some reading glasses, to tell you the truth. <laughs> like, honestly, a few days ago. How I just, old are you or is that confidential? Pardon how me? old are you? I'm curious. 
How old uh, are you? Let's say I w- I'm a I'm a child of the. I can't say that. So, but okay, any- don't tell me. Don't tell me. But yeah. my observation is, it's uncanny. Every every person that turns forty two yeah. has to get glasses. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm getting close. Let's say that. And uh, um, it's bizarre because um, I I literally went down to Nagoya and a friend of mine, uh, he was like, well, and he's he's like 40, 42, crazily enough. He's like, here, take these. I'm like, wow, I can actually read my cell phone again. It's like, <laughs> so... Like, uh, well, I'm so yeah. nearsighted. I take my glasses off to read now. I'm so glad I didn't have LASIK eye surgery. Oh, yeah. They, 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 people were saying the laser thing, and I said to them, yeah, no, I'm not going to put a laser to my the cornea of my eye. Absolutely not. I, I prefer to just have lenses. Martin, I want to uh, do it, but they, but the legal uh, document they wanted me to sign basically said, well, if we destroy if we, your vision, it's okay. We're not you know? legally responsible. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. My my answer to that is like get get the hell out of town, <laughs> get the hell out of town. Yeah. Marvin, uh, jumping back to the cargo, do you remember the brand phones that they would typically have over there? Um, the only foreigners I saw were Chinese uh, cell phone makers and parts makers. There may have been Samsung, but I something some tells me that everything was Chinese. Yeah, I actually um, I went over to Africa, not not the Congo, but I went to Kenya and yeah. Nigeria for the company that makes a lot of those phones in Africa. They make like techno phone. Oh, like everybody, everybody in Nigeria has got a techno. I phone. bet it was those. Yeah, it's probably. I'm sure it's, that's that's what it was. Now the Chinese, they have this huge yeah. presence yeah. over in Africa, but I think there's there's a bit of a Japanese presence there. Are you guys aware of that at all? Um. I've heard of that. In fact, I've, because I'm very interested in finding a Japanese company to sponsor me to do stuff over there. What, you know, put in electric, electric stuff. And I know that there's, there's a, there's some, uh, uh, the West, I don't know, the West, the East side, there's some Japanese companies, Angola, but not in the Congo. Uh, there were, uh, is all, what little there was, 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 uh, is the Congo like even like? Company. Is it not? Is it not like? A, I mean, I mean, isn't isn't all, pretty much all, most of Central Africa like they're at war with each other and eating each other and like murdering each other and like I I, I don't mean to be rude, but I mean there's the, the, the it's called the the YNC dot com or or hoodsite dot com and they have all of the videos of the Africans and their yeah the northeast their, corner their, 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 of the their, of the country. The See, it's so toward. big. It's, it's as big as it's as big as the eastern half of America. So you've got all these wars going on in Maine, down to Vermont, yeah. where millions of people are dying, and then down in uh, Florida or uh, Arkansas, where which is where I was. Right. Um, it's pretty peaceful, and even going to the equator, equatorial, like which would be like analogous to Nebraska, going up there. Um, had its own uh, passport procedure, and they 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 control who came in and who left very carefully because they didn't want war. I suppose. Of course they don't. Uh, Nobody wants it. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 
no no normal human wants that stuff i mean but it was the uh, it's the northeast part of that country that's that's uh where you've got apple and all these corporations uh sh- shoveling money in to get their uh minerals mm, mm, the wars mm, are mm. the these warlords there's mm, a, um, a it's TV really horrible show, yeah an amazon show have you seen it called the widow it's about a british woman who goes to the congo to find her dead husband and they get into a lot of the mineral stuff. Have you guys heard of that? No, I've not. Oh. No, to be honest, it's, called? it's called The Widow. It's Kate Beckinsale stars her. It's pretty good. You guys should check it out. There is a lot of minerals there. There's people. There's a guy there trying to wanting me to find a Japanese company to come in and harvest all of the or all of the uh, mercury that's floating up on some of the lakes there. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of mercury there. There's all kinds of minerals. What I found most interesting was all the palm, the uh, palm kernel kernels that were littering, littering the forest floor everywhere I went. But those are real valuable, and I suggested to my host, well, you know, these children, they're, they're just doing nothing. They're just growing up doing nothing, sitting around. They could be harvesting, you know, gathering palm kernels and making money that way. And it was very interesting to see in, in his family, one guy was a businessman who's into doing stuff like that. I promised to come back with some nutcrackers for him. And where other people, they just want to beg, you know, no, no, don't do that. We have to beg for our money. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, they're exporting trees. Yeah. They're exporting logs even now to make, although the one of the more interesting things was we visited the world wildlife foundation and, uh, UNESCO and one other aid agency and discover, and I learned that they're absolutely doing nothing good. Although everyone's worried about the World Bank coming in, uh, taking over the forest, kicking all the people out, and converting it into a park for the rich people. Uh, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to be rude, but I'm a misanthrope, and I've gone to Thailand, and uh, you you pay like a hundred bucks to go hang out with a bunch of elephants that have been abused uh, as workers for their entire lives. And um, I am a misanthrope. Um, I do believe that, um, you know, converting something like that for rich people, because what happens is in the, these, these, you know, places, they just, they get all this foreign aid and, you know, the cycles of nature doesn't affect them and they pretty much destroy the entirety of 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 well um, i agree uh, with you the the group i was working for um was using their money to buy up development rights to prevent anyone okay i'm not talking about development i just i i I think that that the animals deserve their own space is all i'm saying oh yeah yeah humans humans shouldn't encroach on everything is all i'm saying you know like we don't we should not encroach on absolutely every you know, inch of the planet. Anyway, sorry, sorry Nathan. Well, no, with that, in, with that, that in mind, uh, there, there are way too many people there. And how do you, you know, how, how should they, well, they should not be there. Well, then we, 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 we stop giving them, we stop feeding them and then let, yeah. let nature take their course. If they can't feed you know, them. I was wondering where they get their food. They, they get mostly rice from outside somehow. Yeah, no, I mean, they if, they cannot, if they cannot do for themselves, if they no. cannot create for themselves, whether through trade or through, but if their entire existence is a handout 
um, sorry, you're going to have to figure out another way to exist <laughs> other than handouts. And I, 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 one thing I should probably tell Nathan to you, I'm, I'm an, I'm an animal rights absolutist. Um, uh, I, I'm a vegetarian. I, um, um, I love animals and that's why I have like wild, uh, basically broken animals that can't be, um, put out into, into the, I, and I let them live in my house. Um, um, I'm an absolute, I'm an absolutist in animal rights. And, and actually, to be honest, um, you know, people say, well, we do human rights, human rights. Yeah, we have a lot, but I mean, nobody looks out for the animals and that that's my department anyway. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big fan like everybody else looks well, out for my point was the world wildlife foundation was spending was spending donation money no, to no, go they, those, to those, those things, those things are, they the, world life, the world life yeah. world wild world wildlife foundation now this is interesting because my girlfriend at university is now a a, a board member of the w the, that one the worldwide and she's she's a, a news oh. presenter she's a news presenter out of toronto and she's like felix you know, why are you people know that that we were together at university and you're you're hurting my my career? But it's like, yeah, we know what? Fuck you. Um sorry, sorry to mean to say that. Um so she's like, wait, wait, no, no, wait. I, I'm a I'm an important person and, and you're not and it's like, you know, go away. And I don't think those people care about animals because No, many, they don't. They they don't care at all. Them, no. How many of them have have broken? I've got like animals with broken legs, broken wings, running around my house, and I take care of them. And how many of those people have that? They don't. They go to these 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 parties, as I know in I absolutely know for a fact because I've been to them. They go to these parties where everyone sits there with 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 martinis and talks about how great they are helping the world. And and what do they do? They do. Jack. Well, you brought up a very a very good topic that I wanted yeah. to touch on. That is, yeah. people talk, but they they don't do anything. Yeah. And with that in mind, it's we talk a lot about the world and how things have gotten really bad. America's over, and so on. But it's really we should be. You know, most of our effort, time, and mental effort as well, and energy should be spent on develop building the next. You know, I agree. Our, our what's coming? What's coming next? I agree. And that's what I want to do with you guys. You yeah, know what I'm saying? We have these discussions. We, sh uh, I'd like to see us. Um, there's communication. There's education. There's uh, there's agriculture. There's energy. Yeah. Um, I agree. All kinds of stuff. The world is waiting for us. We need to rebuild everything. The educational system is completely gone. We need to rebuild it from the ground up. Our medical system, same thing. And I've been working on the electrical side. And what I see in the electrical system, people don't understand electricity for the most part. Therefore, that's why I got in. That's why I got into that event and why I wrote that book. Because I see all the, the crazy nonsense that's going on in, in just simple basic energy production that most people can't see. So that's why that's the reason for that book. But every single part of our society has to, has to be rebuilt from the ground up. By the way, Nathan, you're going to be uh, putting his his links in the in the description, correct? 
That is correct. Yep. All right. So. Yeah, I thank you for that. Um, yeah, it, um, and then, but I think Japan is really good for us for two reasons. One, they they can go back to the Edo period. They could rediscover themselves and quickly and instant go back to the Edo period of self resilience. I think. And number two, for us foreigners can do it, and they'll follow us. That's amazing. Yeah, can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because this is a conversation you one? and I had have already had. No, yeah, but, yeah. but about foreigners in Japan and they might follow us. I think I think uh, Nathan's Nathan's audience might be interested in that. Yes. Well, please. for a regular Japanese person, if you do something new, let's say business, um, or you you want to try get a get an education, go in a new field, and let's say you fail, because we we that's how we learn, right? But not in Japan. If you if you start a business and you fail, that's it. You're that's you had your one chance. You told everyone this is what you're going to do or what you're going to be. Well, you're a liar. You're an idiot. You're a fool. You're a degenerate. You're 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 a failure. So when a, when a foreigner comes here, um, you can do the same thing. But they'll give you the rope and they'll say, well, you know, you can fail. We're going to expect you to. Do, but you may well lead us out. I mean, you may well succeed, and you've got a great idea. We're all going to copy you. You've heard the story how when MacArthur came in, and or um, was it the emperor of Japan, told everyone, uh, okay, the war's over, don't, don't fight the Americans. And suddenly everyone put down their, their, their weapons, and they're going to kill, they're going to fight to the last man, baby, and woman, last woman and child, right? Yeah. At the end of World War II. But but just like that, in like 30 seconds, yeah. they flipped, right? Yeah. They can do that. They can do if 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 someone comes up with a, a with a a model community. No, no, that, like I, that's actually land. something. That's actually something I would like to interject on because the Japanese, as far as my understanding, they're not people that can take incremental changes. But once they realize, okay, this is not working, they can flip on a dime. Does that? Yeah. Would that would, would that, yeah, would yeah, that yeah. agree with what you were just saying? Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll accept incremental changes if it's brought to you by Mitsubishi, Honda, Toshiba, no, Sony. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But a big yeah. change, a big change requires a black ship from America, or an atom I, bomb from America, I, or I've been, something. I've been to, I've been to, uh, it was uh, Shimoda. I've been to, and, and the weirdest part about uh, the black ship, what he was talking about, what uh, Marvin talks about, is is the black ship was, uh, it was a. Uh, uh, a ship that came from the United States, a steamer, and it was piloted by a guy named Matthew Perry, and it hit a place called Shimoda, and that oh, they, they basically fo- forced Japan to open up to trade, and they actually have a bust of the guy there. Not even joking, they literally have oh, a bust Perry? of the guy there. A Perry, yeah, they got a bust of him at 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 at, at the at the at the marina. At the marina, he they, they have a literal bust of this guy who who's like, open up, we're we're not taking no answer, and now they've got a bust of the guy at the marina that he did that in. Uh, that was like what about a hundred fifty? No, I, I really think that, like that you know, even in my case, um, on the island where I am, any foreigner does anything. There's a newspaper reporter would love to do a newspaper story or a TV report on him. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, my my musician friend, he he's been subject of. Uh, uh, Tokyo, we're far away from, but Tokyo television news, he's been subject of, 
And same with my Australian friend. He's, he's an interesting guy. He's on the news. They, and I could do the same thing, but I'm holding my, I'm holding my uh, ammunition until I have something really, really good. Okay. Sounds but good. I'm gonna, it's easy for us to get a newspaper. I, when I was working as a scientist, you know, in the bubble time, uh, uh, one of the major newspapers interviewed me and had an article on it, for example. Mm. But it's easy for us to get attention. And what I like to see, and I think this is possible, a community, a model community. This is how we can and should be living in the future. Actually, can you can yeah. you explain that? Yeah. Can you explain that to Nathan's viewers? Because you and I have talked about this, and I don't think you've actually communicated it uh, succinctly. Can you adequately? Can you, yeah. Adequately, and can you do it in in let's say two minutes? Can you can you? Oh uh, well, when I was talking to you, I was I was mentioning that in like where I am, there's empty there's not empty to me, farms. Not to me, to Nathan's yeah. viewers. Nathan's yeah. Group. Well, there's empty farms. There's empty, empty islands. In my town, there's a whole plateau that's been cut, cut away. You could put a whole community up there. The way things are in Japan and the respect they have, if you have some, a group of people who, um, who ostensibly are well-educated and, and can work and work hard, you, I think you can convince the government to, to allow a, a group of like say a hundred people to, create a model community. I don't see why you, I, I really think you can do that. The uh, Japanese, well, when I first came to my island, um, other people told me, why don't you bring some more foreigners and start a little community here? We'll make it a, a tourist a tourist attraction. We'll all speak English and you're going to make a community where you do everything. We'll call it American community or whatever. Uh, there's already people talking about doing that. Um, I don't know what else to does say. That, does I that interest you, though? Really respect their ability, their humbleness to uh, follow. Would you a want good to turn idea? Into, uh, Marvin, would you actually want to turn it into that sort of thing, like Little Foreigner Town? Um, I don't like that, but what I like is not important. Even like I'm building a resort now, right? A, a refuge. And every decision I make is not, you know, I always ask other people, what do other people want to see? A lot of stuff I do is unpleasant, but um, I'm putting in a, a wheelchair bathroom. You know, I don't like that. But I'll get a whole group, a lot of people who are wheelchair bound that want to visit the ocean side, they have no place to go. So I'm doing that. Um, so, yeah, there's. Yeah, I could see Bill, you know, just gathering people together. And uh, if, if there's money, it could be done. It could be done pretty pretty easily if there's money. Um, and that's a fast way to do it. You know, time, talent, money, the, the three factors. Uh, we're, tr we're working on it slowly because we don't have much of anything. But um, I'm building, a, uh, as I mentioned before, a, a farm attached to a, a hostel, eight, a 10-bed hostel, which is a tent, which is also a campground, and I have money to put in a two-story deck with a big tree in the middle of it. This is all on the beach, right next to the beach. Uh, I want to make a little, like a nightclub atmosphere there for the nighttime, and it's all sustainable. It's all our own energy, all our own water. We're, we're trying to do what the best we can with food. Most, a lot of our food comes from around.
the area. This is a future, and we are trying to make example of it. Um, it's going very slow. I won't get much done, but uh, that's what I'm working on. But again, I when, when someone see, I, I have an advantage. I have a PhD. I work for a large corporation, and so they respected me from the from the outset. But now, but now that I've been doing stuff, I get a little bit more respect. It's easier for me to 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 get the attention of the, the city fathers, if you will. Um, That's pretty cool. And we also, yeah, we have a little nucleus of foreigners here already, and uh, we can get more. And uh, you can get large tracts of land in Japan, really beautiful land for all for very low cost. Hey, so we are getting close to two hours, and I was hoping we could close up with, I wanted to ask both of you, Japan sounds like a really good place to be a foreigner right now, and I'm even considering maybe heading over there myself, you know, if I want to get out of the States for a bit, that sounds like a good place to be, just from what you guys are all saying, but if you are a foreigner, and you want to go to Japan, and you don't want to teach English, what, what advice would you give? Well, if if well, do you want to go, Marvin, or me first? Go ahead. Um, the thing is, is that you should never. One of the things about anything post Western, okay, we have to put this into a box. Our societies are now basically high tax and uh, high spending for welfare, right? So, um. I have a lot of friends of mine that are moving down to Uruguay, Argentina, and Chile, as as weird as that sounds. And the reason is, is because the taxes are low and you don't have to pay for people being idle. So one of the oldest adages of the devil will find work for idle hands to do. Um, East Asia is exactly the same thing. Um, they have welfare for mentally and physically handicapped people and the elderly but if you're if you're physically able to work there is absolutely no welfare for you here all right there's nothing uh you, you have to, oh especially as a foreigner especially you, you, a foreigner yeah. especially you've you you have got to basically earn your soul here and uh this is not a place for people that think that they're going to come over and be idle and gain a check and play video games. It's not a place like that whatsoever. Um, would you agree with that? Well, actually, my comment was very similar in that I was going to say, before coming here, get a skill. Don't come here without – get a really good skill and polish it. Get a lot of experience. Uh, call me. I'll tell you what kind of skills you're looking for. I, I, I yeah. found a job for uh, – for a, for a auto, uh, airplane mechanic working for the uh, local car garage, he, he, they both like racing cars, so it fits very well. We need all kinds of skills here. Um, so yeah, basically get a skill. Become a good is what carpenter, saying, right? a good old fashioned but, 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 but carpenter. But don't come here thinking you can you can live off of the largesse. No, no, you need to society. get a skill before coming here. That and you can't, you can't you can't you can't live here on on the largesse or or the welfare. You, you you can't come here to play video games like yeah and 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 that's all i was trying to say so i didn't mean to cut, cut you off dude sorry no 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 um 
There is a special uh, visa program for people on a farm, but only for certain Southeast Asian countries. I forget which ones offhand. Uh, I don't know, Vietnam, places like that. There's special visas to come here to be farmers. As far as uh, Westerners, I think most Westerners would never fit here. At least most Americans. I, I've had about 40 Westerners visit to work with me that were from the Workaway program, and I was careful to pick you know really good people. It's very interesting to see the variety, um, and the people that are the best. Well, people from Eastern Europe were great. Anyone who's who's willing to, who can think and put stuff together. To me, a farmer and engineer have the same mindset. You solve three-dimensional problems. Uh, if you're that kind of person, maybe you don't have a degree, but you've always wanted, but you've always, you like to repair your own car. You like to do build stuff. Um, get a skill that you can, that, that looks good on paper. You know, like I was, uh, you don't have to have a degree, but let's say I was, uh, the uh, engineer at uh, this company and then come here with that. Actually, I can, I can interject on that. Actually, yeah. you can also, also I've, I've, I probably shouldn't say this, but I've used Photoshop to multiply a bunch of different people with their quote <laughs> degrees and closed quote degrees because they had skills and they now have lived here for a while so now, now hold on um, a second that wasn't you that was your friend right that was a friend of mine I, yeah. it's a guy i heard of it wasn't me it was a guy i heard of He's and probably uh, a chinese guy there's a chinese guy and he was he was nefarious uh he was nefarious it wasn't me but um sorry <laughs> silence sorry my, uh, my pigeons okay. are Silence! Silence! All right, guys. Well, it's been a couple hours. Do you, anything you want to plug before we go off the air? I don't need to plug anything. I actually think Marvin should plug his stuff, though. Well, my website um, gives you a little insight. If you want, if you're serious about coming to Japan and you haven't been here before, I'm talking to your readers or, or watchers. You want to you want to make contact with a place where you want you can come. Maybe spend a uh, a couple weeks working here with me, and we'll give you we'll give you food and board, you know, lodging, and you have some fun on the beach, especially in the summertime. There's canoeing and swimming and stuff. Actually, like Japan, at, Japan Beach in the summer is awesome. Not gonna lie, it really is, and we're it very really clean. Awesome. We have oysters and that are you just eat them. Um, yugeshima.com, yugeshima.com is y u g e S H I M A Yugeshima dot com. That's the name of our island, and that's a good contact. You can see what we're doing there. Also, I think Nathan's uh, going to put your 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 links in the description as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I have lots link. of uh, lodging. I have lots of. Uh, I built a, a guest house, and I've I got lots of places for people to stay if you work. <laughs> We we were doing work away where they work for you know twenty hours a week and we would give them lodging and food and then I have a motorbike they can ride around that kind of thing. It's it's interesting you say that because I had this conversation and this is going to go out to a friend of mine, an Irish friend of mine, and it's it's the movie called The New World by Tariq. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it was the 
uh, it was a movie in 2005, I think, and it was talking about the the establishment of Jamestown, the the first uh, oh. settlement in the United States, and the the uh, captain of the of the, of the settlement. He he's uh, Christopher Plummer, the guy. He was Captain Von oh, Trapp yeah. in The Sound of Music. I mean, like you know, he's he's a great. He's he's a you know everybody loves him, and he said. If you don't work, you don't eat. And that's that's actually, to be honest, if you've got the ability to work and you don't and you're lazy, yeah, you, if you don't work, you don't eat. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, I mean to interrupt. It's all good. Well, that's so, a Japanese ethos, isn't it? Well, it's also an American ethos prior to 1965. So, yeah. yeah. All right, well. I think we could wrap it up. Marvin, I, I couldn't pull your site up just now, but I will put it in the description along with your book. And yeah, just let me know if there's anything else I can throw it in. Felix, I guess you don't want to plug your show or your channel, but I got it. Uh, it doesn't here. matter. My show, it loses like <laughs> tens of thousands of, uh, of I've lost like, I think 10,000 uh, subs. It doesn't matter. It's well, my, fine. My I, I'm Black Pigeon. I'm, I'm Felix Rex. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm basically targeted for extinction. It doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. I think my brother turned me onto your channel. It's probably like four years ago or so. It was it was a while. Yeah, back, my my. They're both targeted for extinction. It doesn't <laughs> matter. All right. Well, on that matter. note, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Cheers.